0: Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Nighttime Show Podcast, and we are live at L.A. Comic-Con with an extraordinary, super, super cool, amazingly wonderful panel of... I'm using a lot of adjectives. What do you call this? Hyperbole. I'm using a lot of hyperbole. But this panel deserves it, Matt. It really, really does. Lots of superlatives are deserved by this panel. Yep.
1: Um, So it is not an overreach to call them all those words.
0: You know, um, the term legend gets thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, that term, people are like, oh my God, this
2: pizza is
0: legendary. (laughs) These people who are on this podcast are actual, real life, Legends. These people have been uh, significant pieces of history. Yeah, we had people dating back to Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, so here's what this was. This was the Nickelodeon and Disney Legends panel at LA Comic Con. We hosted it, we put it together Mm -hmm. with a company called Asifa, which is uh, the organization that, uh, they're like an animator's organization. They produce the The, Annie Awards. It's
1: French... It's a French
0: abbreviation that's the
1: International Animated Film Society.
0: There you go. See, exactly. So uh, with some help from them, we were able to put together a really phenomenal panel. Uh, Let's just quickly talk through who some Mm -hmm. of these people are on the panel before we get into it so you really get the idea. Yeah. the 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 biggest one the one that that is uh, uh, uh i can't even talk about as i love him so much is floyd norman mm-hmm. floyd norman is an actual disney legend he started at disney he was he was the first black animator ever hired by walt disney mm-hmm. in 1957 he worked on sleeping beauty in 1959 and then went on to work on The Jungle Book and all these phenomenal, incredible uh, Everything movies. Everything you've seen Everything. up Everything. until he retired, basically. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And um, so we had him on the show. He was talking about his whole career, which was really ex- extraordinary. Uh, then we had Tom Cito on the show. Mm-hmm. Tom Cito is the basically the head of animation at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked at Disney for a very, very long time, uh, working on... Uh, uh, all sorts of wonderful things. but Then went on to work for Lou Shimer? Well, he... I mean, uh, more than... Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lou Shimer... On, uh, with Lou Shimer, he did uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He was the lead animator on that. But at Disney, he is credited for writing the story for Lion King. Mm-hmm. So the guy is a legend. People love this guy. He's he's just a really incredible fella. Um, then we had Cheryl Chase on the show. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Chase uh, is a significant piece of Nickelodeon history. Uh, started out working on Ren and Stippy. Yeah. Um, she was, was just the office manager, which is really fascinating to yeah, hear about. Yeah, she was the yeah. office manager, and then whenever they needed like a voice, they'd throw her in for a female voice here yeah. or there or whatever. And then she went on to get cast as Angelica in Rugrats, and then and has played Angelica, and she was ever doing since. both for quite some time. Yeah, is, she was to do voices as Angelica, and then Hundreds
1: like working in of the office answering the and phone,
2: movies, and oh my god, this crazy.
1: If people were watching Rugrats at the time, they call over to Ren Stimpy's office like, is that Angelica answering the phone?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, so. We've, we had her, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then to round out the panel with like, what is the future now mm-hmm. of uh, animation, Doug Sweetland is on the panel. Oscar-nominated D- Doug, Oscar yeah. Doug Sweetland. Oscar-nominated Doug Sweetland, who worked at Pixar from the early, early days. He started there in Toy Story and uh, and then has was a part of some uh, huge, huge movies over there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got to work with him on Storks. He was mm-hmm. our director on Storks. So very very exciting panel to listen to i hope that you guys love it uh, there were a lot of great questions so uh, so check it out here we go this is that panel
2: Hello. we are thumbs up good to go ladies and gentlemen are you ready here we go Mike live Mike. from la comic-con 2019 it's the nighttime show who's excited This show has legends from Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers, all kinds of animation. If it's been animated, one of these people did it, get ready to meet some legends. Please help us welcome animation legend best known for Disney's Mulan and the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Floyd Norman! the director of Presto and Storks, he will not be silenced by not having a microphone, Doug Sweetland! From She-Ra, Bravestar, Biker Mice from Mars, Aladdin, Prince of Egypt, and The Lion King, Tom Sito. From Jimmy Neutron, The Addams Family Values and best known as Angelica Pickles on Rugrats, Cheryl Chase! I'm Mike Black, the voice of the nighttime show, and now our host, he should be animated even when he's not, put your hands together for Stephen Kramer Glickman! Hey!
0: everybody is doing well you guys enjoying your con so far yeah. All right wonderful uh, we are we're very excited we have so many wonderful people on this panel people that I love and care about and people that I am just like a major major fan of. Uh, I want to start by uh, by talking uh, to uh, uh, the, the the man the myth the legend Floyd Norman I mean yes. my God sir. Woo. Let's, let's start, uh, let's start uh, at the beginning. I'm going to ask you guys each a question. We're just going to kind of go down the panel here. But uh, how did you, uh, it's the simplest of all questions, how did you get into animation? What gave you your start? Uh, let's start with, uh, with Floyd. You want to start, buddy? You
3: want to start with me?
0: Yeah, I think so.
3: I think Is that's Mike the way Porky? to do it. Can you hear me? Yeah. All righty then. How did I get into animation? When I was about five or six years old, I saw a Disney cartoon, Dumbo, and I, I told my mommy that's what I want to do when I grow up. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm, not, I'm not joking, I'm serious. I saw Dumbo when I was a little kid, and I said uh, I want to go and make those uh, pictures move up on the big screen, so that's how I got in. Oh, it's a long story how I got in, because after I graduated from high school, I, I drove down to the Walt Disney Studio Luckily, I lived in Santa Barbara, only 90 miles away from Burbank. So it was about a you know, two-hour drive down the coast. And I went to the Disney studio with my little crummy portfolio. They looked at my drawings and said, kid, go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I enrolled at Art Center College of Design. I went to school for about three years. Then guess what happened? One Friday afternoon while watching the Mickey Mouse Club on television, I, I mean this sincerely, I was watching the Mickey Mouse Club and my phone rang and it was the Walt Disney Studio. And they said, kid, do you still want that job? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, be here eight o'clock Monday morning.
0: Oh my God. That's incredible. (laughs) Now, when you arrived at Disney, what uh, what was the first thing they had you work on when you showed up?
3: Well, the way things worked back in the old days, they would bring in about a, a dozen kids, uh, both men and women, by the way. People often think of Disney's being the boys club, but we had a number of young women in our group. Uh, one of them, I, I went to art school with uh, Jane Shaddock, Jane Shaddock Bear Takamoto. Uh, we, we went to Art Center together, so oddly enough, we ended up at Disney at the same time. What they did back in those days, they gave you 30 days to prove yourself. They put you in a large room. They put all the guys in one room and they put all of the uh, young women in another room and they had us do in-betweens. Anybody know what that is? And in-between is when you put a drawing in between two other drawings. Sounds insane, doesn't it? I thought it was too. <laughs> but that's what we had to learn how to do. And if you could prove yourself in 30 days you luckily got yourself a low-paying job at the Walt Disney Studio. <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs> amazing! That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what can, I, can I
3: ask a nerd question? Yeah, go
4: for it, Doug. Okay, so uh, who who? What animator were you in between for, if you can remember? And on on was it on production?
3: Like oh a- no, no. The, these were you know we were basically just being tested. Okay. So th- these were not production drawings. they would give us a scene, and usually it would be a simple scene like Donald Duck and you had to do in-betweens of Donald Duck. So I had no idea who the animator was and they probably just grabbed it off the shelf, you right. know. It could have been done by anybody.
4: Killer.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Doug, what about you? What what was your um, introduction into this, into I gotta this say, animation I got to say this
4: business? is uh, a story of how things are more similar than different. My, my it's the exact same as Floyd and his story, At like five or six, like as soon as I could remember. I was always into drawing, and, as, and I think for me it was, although Dumbo is huge, and I, I don't know why that movie exists and not everybody's trying to be an animator, but uh, it was uh, Roadrunner cartoons, and yeah. I was, my parents were like, yeah, you know, those are just drawings, and once I found out that those were drawings yeah. that moved, I was like, that was it, it was all <laughs> over for me. Um, and a similar thing of like, for me it was, uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, And so, and I was like, you know, everyone's a drawing nerd when they're a kid, and then it all, people fall away, and usually by your senior year of high school, there's, you're you're the last. I was the last of the drawing yeah. nerds. Right. And sure. So, right. Uh,
0: Similar to magicians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. When, when, you, what when you're a kid, it? everyone's a magician. Yeah. Then you get older, and then yeah. and then there's always that awkward 15 year old who's like
2: still doing magic. <laughs> People are right. like, really? That's right. Slightly been, less deaf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> i the one's giving up on. <laughs> <laughs> animation than magic yeah probably I
4: think in fact this entire convention is probably peopled with folks that never gave up on something
0: yeah 100% <laughs> yes. that's totally from yeah. their childhood so uh, <laughs>
4: but my parents I gotta say uh, some some folks would not have supported a kid who wanted to become an animator especially in the 80s when there was not much going on see Tom Sito's <laughs> head nodding uh, <laughs> as a survivor of that time uh, but my parents, we did fly out to Cal Arts. They, my mom had me uh, mail Walt Disney Studios and Warner Brothers. Um, uh, where do I go to school? They both sent me a list of ten schools, if you can believe it. That and Cal Arts was at the top. It's Cal Arts and Sheridan really were the two, the two schools in common. So my parents, out of their unconditional love and support, uh, flew me out to meet Bob Winquist when he was head of Cal Arts and. Uh, and I had by then my drawing nerd portfolio, and I got into I got into school that way. Wow! And that was the entree. I mean, it was, that was the one school in the United States really that could feed you into the industry as we know it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cheryl, what about you? How did how did you get your introduction into this into this bizarre and wonderful business?
5: Well, I, growing up, I always liked to imitate different voices, and and I had a unique voice when I was little. Um, I, people always, and I couldn't understand why people would always say, Talk, you know, you're seven years old, stop talking like a baby. You know, and <laughs> it's like, and, I, and so, and then when I got to college, um, I was walking down the street one day and I was talking to a friend and somebody ran up to me and said, you sound just like the um, Billy Burke in, in um, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> And I go, are you a good witch, or a bad witch? And I, I thought, hey, maybe I can do this stuff. So I started watching you know, um, The Wizard of Oz back when we didn't have DVDs. I had to wait every year to do it, and I would tape it, and I would do all the voices. And I figured I, I really like this and because I was studying um, childhood development and early childhood education. But I always wanted a, a roommate in college who was an actor so I can help them study their lines. And then I thought, man, I really want to do this myself. And so I changed my major and then I started doing, you know, going up to Salt Lake and trying to get voices I mean, voice jobs in radio or different little commercials and things like that and I did get a couple of jobs but then I went back home to New Jersey and I studied acting in New York and I took it more seriously and then I moved out to California and I starting. it took me four years before I finally got a series and it was the Ren and Stimpy show um, I got on that show and then a little while after that
0: and, um, and just, just to be clear you were on uh, like an enormous amount of episodes of that show. Like you worked on that show in oh, yeah. many, many different ways.
5: Oh yeah. I, I was like his Girl Friday, I mean John Chris Lucie's Girl Friday. Um I would I was the casting director and, and I would just kind of help him run the office in the in the beginning stages. Amazing. Yeah. So, and then um, he was very nice. He let me go away and do Rugrats on Fridays. And <laughs> so, and it was, it was kind of cool because I was being this little receptionist at the Ren and Stimpy show. And then um, I remember I was, I can do other voice, I was, got sent to do other voice jobs. Um, I'd have auditions and I was doing um, Walla work on The Simpsons and I was just doing the Walla work and just do, Walla <laughs> work is background voices. And so um, I got a call from my agent while I was doing the Walla work and they told me that you got a call that you're gonna be uh, Angelica on the Rugrats. And I'll never forget that moment that was like so, it was like a surreal moment for me
2: so yeah, yeah. And the, and then when you got cast Plus the, so go ahead Mike. Angelica your voice is so powerful that people in the other room are dying to get in yeah. here I
5: know room, I know they, want me. The they yeah. want me they want me we
2: gotta get in
0: here for Angelica babies. they
5: don't get to come in here <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you know that Angelica that 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 show that Rugrats at the time was gonna be what it is I mean it's still to this day a major show
5: yeah. well we really did, had no clue we thought it was only gonna go for uh, like maybe a season but uh, it was I had to take other jobs I had to do other jobs while I was still doing you know well I was working you know as a receptionist and casting director at Ren and Stimpy but I can still I was still doing Rograts and doing okay. more auditions but so then it cool. but then once they put, It was only on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays in the very beginning, but once they put it on Monday through Fridays during the dinner hour, the families sat down at dinner watching the show, and that's how it got its pull, its momentum.
0: Amazing. Um, Tom Cito, so amazing to have you here. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of you, but I'd love to know, like, how did you get into this business? How did this start for you? Okay, well... um, uh, here we go over here, um, yeah. Actually,
6: I, I'm the son of a, a Brooklyn fireman, and uh, I grew up in Brooklyn before it was hip. When it was was a dump, <laughs> 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 and uh, it, you know, like the the, the you know the welcome back Cotter kind of Brooklyn, you know, some, that, that group. The beginning of it, Captain
2: America. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
6: exactly, <laughs> and. Um, um, but uh, um, uh, I went to public school, and I and and I love to draw. And I learned early that the class artist doesn't get beat up as much. So you you draw a lot, and <laughs> and, and then I went to a, a, a vocational high school, originally I thought I wanted to do like comic strips because uh, in the 60s in New York everything was newspapers so everybody wanted to be Charles Schultz or something. And and uh, so I was trying to do that and then um, and, and then in high school uh, uh, in an art class, remember when high schools had art classes? Yeah. And so, like, it's good. And, and you know um, a, a teacher showed me how to do animation and I fell in love with it and I said wow this is what I want to do. And I was kind of fortunate that when I began my career a lot of golden age artists from Disney and Warner Brothers were ending their careers. So I had the chance to kind of clutch their wrinkled knees and, like, tell me your secrets, old man, tell me. <laughs> 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 No, 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 tell me. You know, so, you know, I had a chance to, you know, I assisted Grim Natwick. who was the guy who created Betty Boop and, and was the lead on Snow White. He lived to be 100 years old. And uh, Grim was really funny because Grim used to play. He used to mess with people because he was so old, you know, because they'd, they'd stick cameras in his face and go, what do you owe your great age? You know, longevity he goes, oh, when I was young. I ate a lot of porridge. <laughs> and I go porridge. That's a secret porridge. And he goes, no, no.
2: <laughs> he's, just,
6: he's, he's just messing with him. Yeah, you know. So, so I started again, like my first jobs and all in the New York area, and then I came out. Uh, then I came out here, and um, I had a chance also to work with. Um, with a, with a fellow named Seamus Calhane, and, and, and Seamus, he had a small New York studio, and, and, but he was a Disney animator, ex-Disney animator. And, and, um, and even though we were doing like a little show for, for nutrition, it was like a little fil- film that they run in, in, in elementary school, you know, about vitamins and stuff. You know, Be sure you remember, and don't forget to take some vitamin C every day. You know, <laughs> like that. And, but Seamus' thing was he worked on Snow White and Pinocchio. Oh, wow. So he was an animator he did a lot of the hi Ho march and Snow White and all and and I kind of you know I kind of caught the bug from him about about you know following in that line and being able to do that type of work and it's just a, the kind of thing I wanted to do so it's really about perseverance it's just you know like you know a, a lot of us aren't born to it and all we just decide this is what we want to do in, in our lives and and you you just you know stick to it
0: Yeah, uh, uh, so amazing. Come on, come on. Amazing. Uh, I'd love to talk with you guys each about the early days of the places that, that, you know, you're from. Um, But in particular, uh, Tom... I don't know if you can tell uh, our audience all has these uh, comic I, books. I, I, I see. These yeah. are the Nighttime Show comic books that Overnight Prints made for us. They're amazing. They've got all sorts of cool artwork in them, and the cover of all of them is from an artist named Mario Delgado, who literally turned me and Mike Black and Matt Walker and Mike Glazer uh, into well, it turned you know turned us into uh, into He-Man, uh, me into Fat He-Man, um, <laughs> and uh, I mean I'm wearing I'm wearing. Wearing the He-Man shirt. I know you worked on He-Man, which is extraordinary. What were the early days like of, of that studio, of working for, for him? For Lou Scheimer. For for oh, yeah. Oh, Lou's a lot of fun. Lou's, a, Lou's a, a,
6: big, a great guy. He was also, like, he came from the ranks. He was a layout artist. And all, and uh, v- very nice. And uh, um, what was interesting about the He-Man show was, when we first started working on it, uh, 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 like the first week I was storyboarding on it, and 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 I turned to my the guy at the next table, was Don Manuel, and I said, Don, the the name of the show isn't really He-Man, right? That's like a temp, that's like a temp title. The real <laughs> name will be like Ragnar or yeah. Karnak or something. <laughs> Torel he goes. No, it's really He-Man.
2: Like, okay.
6: <laughs> like, and, you know, I, I don't think we were prepared for like, what a big hit it was, like how huge it was. And you know, like, we were doing the shows, and the shows were fun. And, um, and you know, we had to do a certain amount of reuse footage in each one to keep the budgets down. So we had this stock system. Of like the walk, is one st- like stock one A is standing there talking. I, my favorite was um, was stock sixteen, which is He-Man going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a mighty laugh. I, I, I once, yeah, a I, triumphant laugh <laughs> from <laughs> He-Man. Yeah,
6: yeah, I did. And like sh- stock thirty twenty two is 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 Tila in the foreground. Drops down, and you see her butt when she's when she bends <laughs> yes. and stands. That one, you know, I vividly remember that one. That's a good, one. that's a good one. Yeah, because yeah, they used of, it for
2: <laughs> Evil in also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a big
6: yeah. part of our childhoods. Yeah, yeah. on the on the, she- on the show, uh, um, uh, the head of layout, Dory Latell-Herrick, was an excellent artist, and she was very um, um, into feminist issues and everything. And her goal in life was to make sure Shearer's skirt never flew up. Wow, With the, wow. That stupid little, little tennis skirt. He meant, I mean, she would be wrestling octopi and mm-hmm. monsters and jumping off buildings, and that skirt always stayed
0: modest. It never. Wow.
2: And no matter how hard I prayed, <laughs> no,
0: no matter <laughs> how hard I prayed,
2: uh, Mike she Black. was true
0: to her job. <laughs> Cheryl, uh, what was uh, Nickelodeon like at, at the beginning of, of their uh, of, of that company? I mean, you were there from a very early. P- uh, piece oh, of that company.
5: I was there very early. Um, my What comes to mind is um, in the early stages, this was a, a Ren and Stimpy thing. Um, I was, as I said, I was John um Girl Friday so I, I was his number one office person so we were there till nine o'clock he had to write a letter to Nickelodeon to Vanessa Coffey the executive producer at the time in Nickelodeon in New York and he was like so super super nervous and he didn't know how to do a computer and I didn't know how to do a computer but I was just pretending and so it took me four hours but we finally got the letter done and we sent it off and we were out in the parking lot and he was he's not a hugging man, but he actually was like almost to tears and hugged me and said thank you thank you so much I mean because it was so much pressure oh yeah a lot I'll of get pr- that. a lot of pressure I remember a lot of pressure he,
0: uh, his, his story too that the the situation that happened between him and Nickelodeon and Billy West is like the cra- it's one of the craziest things I've ever heard and I don't know if you guys know this story but very quickly John Kay who created the show was the voice of Ren and John and uh, and, and Billy and West Billy West Stimpy. from Futurama and everything. He was Stippy, and and then uh, John Kay was writing the show and working on it, and he was animating the show too. Mm-hmm. And he kept fighting. They were fighting. The network and him were fighting on all sorts of weird things and things. Yeah, he and,
5: couldn't keep his deadlines was his main thing. Yeah, a lot of times because when you do the animation, you have to send it overseas. You you, you do all the color work and you send it overseas. And he would he would halt production because it was the wrong kind of blue that, oh. that and so he had a, he would send it back to Korea. And so that's why little idiosyncrasies like that.
0: Yeah, and then because he was turning in the 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 episode so late, they weren't reviewing everything, and sometimes he'd get really like messed up stuff like on TV and they like just kind of kept happening there were like all these fights so they ended up firing John Kay from his own TV show and Billy West replaced him so Billy ended up doing Ren and Stippy on the show so he like lost the voice he lost it was like a crazy. it's like one of the craziest upsets in Nickelodeon history yeah. or in like cartoon history yeah. but like Yeah, fascinating. Like a fascinating, like early crazy time. You know, very early crazy. Like I don't think someone could pull that off currently. I think that's. I don't think a a switcheroo like that could really happen right now. I think uh, animation fans would go nuts. Having
5: something like that happen back then. You learn from those experiences and so other people look at that and say, well, let's not do
7: that.
0: Yeah, the only thing I've, I even, I've ever seen happen similar was like Dan Harmon on Community, when he was doing Community and then just was like, I hate this show so much, or I'm so tired of doing this, I'm gonna start doing like the paintball episode and just doing like the weirdest possible stuff and then they let him go and then there was such an outcry that they brought him right back. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing, you know, uh, uh, Floyd, I, we have to, we got, I got to ask you, Floyd. I mean, the origin you're, you know, you, you were there in the early days of, of the Walt Disney company. Your first credit on IMDb is working on sleeping beauty.
3: So although I didn't get a credit,
0: you, you, yeah. Even though you didn't get maybe credit on the film itself, like you're yeah. credited on online for working on
3: it. So yeah, it's really weird. I have to tell the, the kids this who don't understand screen credits. Uh, today on uh, film screen credits, everybody gets a credit, even your your pet cat, <laughs> right? Or your your dog, or or your or your brother in law gets a screen credit. But I received my first Disney screen credit, believe it or not, on the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And that was probably around 1994, oh I think. Oh, my God. And I started at Disney in 1956. Oh, so my God. I worked on a lot of shows and never got a credit. I, I did story on The Jungle Book, never got a screen credit. I animated on Robin Hood, never got a screen credit. I, I worked on so many Disney films that I have zero credit on. Now, to me, it's no big deal because, uh, whatever. Uh, I worked on the film, and and I, I had the chance to be at the Disney studio at a fantastic time. So it was a valuable exp- you know experience. But um, I am grateful that I worked on so many of the what are regarded now as I guess sort of the Disney semi classics. The real classics were you know what the old guys did, the guys who were who were uh, up in years when I arrived in the 1950s, and they were our mentors. You know, guys like the nine old men, Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnson, Milt Call, Ward Kimball. That group mentored us, so it was a great time to be at Disney, to learn from the Disney masters. But, uh, you know, it it was a fantastic opportunity to work with the old man himself.
2: (laughs) Oh my god.
3: (laughs)
0: Freaking Comic Con.
3: <laughs> so weird. Are we doing voices? I don't, I don't know Is what's it, happening. It's the voice actor panel. Uh, oh, oh man, that's oh. tough competition.
2: Wow. Wow. <laughs> I hear
6: music and there's no one there.
2: Oh my God. Let's all yell something back.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Be quiet over uh, there. Be quiet. We have legends in the room. Let's all do that together. Be quiet. We have legends in the room. Ready? (laughs) Be Be quiet. quiet. We We have have legends legends in the room. room. Okay, oh oh and we can't hit the table because every time we do it, we're we're giving oh, a, a small man in the back a heart attack. Yeah. Oh, so that be, I'm sorry. be careful. <laughs> yeah. sorry be careful. About be that. very careful about oh, that. Oh I'm so sorry. Um, hey Matt, what are you watching on TV these days? Uh,
1: lately I've been watching a lot of astronomy videos on YouTube.
0: Astronomy videos? Yeah. Why are you watching astronomy videos on YouTube? I like space. Well, if you like space, then you're gonna love Bliss Lights. Mm-hmm. Bliss Lights is absolutely amazing. Um, They have this thing called the Skylight, and it is a laser light show that you put in your living room. Mm -hmm. It shines up on the ceiling, and then basically you have the whole universe just shining right above you. You don't have to watch TV to look at the stars in the sky. You don't have to go camping to look out at galaxies. You can literally sit in your living room and watch the skylight from Bliss Lights. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. These are the guys who do the laser light shows for all the theme parks and now you get to have a laser light show in your living room. All you have to do is go to BlissLights.com That's BlissLights.com I'm talking about BlissLights.com This is the like it's like forget a nightlight. All right. You mm-hmm. got a nightlight for your kids, throw that in the trash. Okay. <laughs> this right here is the next level, and it is absolutely incredible. Go to blisslights.com. We're talking about blisslights.com. Oh, and use promo code Nighttime for ten percent off your order. That's N-I-G-H-T-T-I-M-E for ten percent off. Come on, go use it right now. BlissLights.com. dot com. All right, let's get back to the show, uh, Doug uh, Sweetland. Your uh, your career. I know. I know you started at Pixar at the beginnings of Pixar, and I know that because I watched the Pixar documentary <laughs> after we knew each other. <laughs> right. And I was like, I didn't. I had no idea that you had done stuff really over there. I knew that you had done uh, that. You had been nominated for mm-hmm. an Oscar for a movie that you did over there uh, mm-hmm. for a short, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know. That you were such a significant part, and then i 'm sitting there watching this Pixar documentary, and Doug Sweeland with hair by the way, with hair <laughs> I can say that because i 'm bald shows up in, and they're like using your footage of you busting through these doors as woody, and it was like a whole and I was like, oh my God, like you worked on toy Story like you've been, you've been a, you were a part of that from a very early part. When did you end up over there? How'd that work
4: uh, I- Thank, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I started. I that was. Uh, I started working at Pixar when I was nineteen years old on Toy Story. So uh, it was just a weird confluence of being really, uh, really just right place at the right time. Um, what, so I,
0: what was the lo- what was the place like at that time period though? Yeah, so it was
4: similar to like He Man. <laughs> Actually, it was really similar. I think because uh, we all were like. Toy Story, that was the name of the movie, right? Even John Lasseter was like, all right, the Toy Story was a working title, and uh, so let's come up with a real title. And it was like, I just remember there was a big email that went out, and we all got to vote on it. We all got to contribute to it. The whole studio got to throw names, and it was just the biggest pile of garbage names. <laughs> like, the closest one that was like, eh, uh, was Spurs and Rockets. <laughs> 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 it's just, like, just garbage. <laughs> so bad. Imagine, yeah, we Spurs, were, and Spurs and Rock- Rockets 4 just came out. That just sucks. Yeah, yeah so, that's bad. It was, that was just a case of the working title becoming the actual title. Just like, I've
2: seen Spurs and Rockets, but it was at an adult theater. <laughs> 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 entirely different. Yeah.
4: <laughs> the skirt might have lifted up in that one.
2: Wow. Wow. How
4: folks? Uh, <laughs> so, so Pixar was in this industrial park in this little teensy town, in uh, way outside the Bay Area called Point Richmond. And I think I was the twelfth animator. There were about sixty people at the company. Their main their main money was out of making software and hardware. They actually sold machines. Yeah. You know, they were short, fi- and they were doing shorts, kind of, uh, and lots of commercials. Anyway, so uh, you know, it was it was great. Like, I think. In a way, it's sort of what I'm looking for now as a director. It's like, where is the garage that where a bunch of scrappy kids are trying to like put on a show, which I imagine is literally. We've I think everyone on this panel, all the way down the line, I'm sure has has had the, you know, we were lucky enough to be a part of that at some point. Yeah, and um, because it's a it's a it's a it's an environment with a ton of opportunity where you can be a girl Friday, and then be like, hey, we need someone on mic. Do you want to step in? And then, hey, boom, that just suddenly, that changes your whole career.
3: I think that place is called Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone's from Netflix is in the audience, I have a business card.
4: Yeah, yeah. so the funny thing about being an animator on Toy Story is they had to crew up computer animators at a time where there was no such thing as computer animators. So I had done hand-drawn, and I thought I would, my mom, when I was in CalArts, my mom was like, you should take these computer courses. And I was like, mom, what do you know? Uh, and then sure, I thought I would be a hand-drawn animator. And then, and then I was like, I'll give this a try. They had, uh, so it was a lot of hand-drawn animators from CalArts. There was a lot of stop-motion guys they pulled together. There were very few that had done computer animation before. They trained everybody, you know, uh, on the, the computer. There was even a guy who animated sand. He, was a, he won a Student Academy Award, animating sand, and then he was our supervising sand. animator for like four movies. Oh my
0: God. Yeah, so
4: it was cool. Like it was cool, and even at 19 I knew like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity because there was no method, there was no legacy. It was just you in a box. And everyone came up with their own crazy ways of approaching the work. And I just think it's very rare that you have that kind of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And you're empowered, to, you have no choice but to try stuff. Yeah, And we'll that's, make- uh, that's how Toy Story got made. And that's- you had Steve Jobs. Oh my God, thank yeah. God for Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Right. Yeah, He was, he was shelter, for sure. He, yeah. We didn't have to, I'm sure he saved John Lasseter from having to write too many scary letters, <laughs> like poor John K. had to do. <laughs> Probably. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I, just, I just want to throw in for a second when you're talking about the, the name of Toy Story. Uh, during Beauty and the Beast, we had a similar contest to try to find, to give the Beast a name. Because we said, you know, he doesn't have a name, they just call him Beast. And said maybe you should have a name, and we had a whole list, and they were terrible. <laughs> there was all like you know Mo Beast, you know Seymour Beast,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, Joe
6: Beast. You know and we just said just leave him
4: Beast. That's it. You know never
2: mind. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nobody
4: uh, nobody thinks about it. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what's in the name? That's yeah. so funny. Ronald. I love that so much. Ronald Ronald the Beast. Ronald Mike Ronald is that Beast? Is that yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good name. <laughs> my, my contribution. The, that's a good yeah. contribution. <laughs> 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 you
2: take it if you want it. I like,
3: uh, there, I like um, Sheldon. Sheld- Sheldon, Sheldon the Beast. beast. Sheldon. Oh, he's Sheldon sensitive. Beast. He likes to read. <laughs> That's
2: uh, good. That's good. When,
0: when uh, there, there's something I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Doug, on um, on the film Finding Nemo, you worked on Finding Nemo, That's right. and, yeah. and uh, um, you have kids. I've met your kids. They're they're awesome. Um, there's a moment in Finding Nemo that I know you worked on specifically. There's a lot of moments that you worked on, but in Finding Nemo, I know a specific one that you worked on was uh, when there, uh, when the father and son fishes like hold hands. Yeah, the for the, the, at the end, which yeah. is a very like emotional thing, you know, like for people. For some reason, it hits like some really, like big things for people, uh, and, and what I kind of wanted to do is kind of ask you guys each, like, is there is there like a moment or something that you've worked on, like a, a moment from something that you've worked on that stands out to you as like a moment where you go, oh my God, like, I'm so happy I got to be a part of this particular thing, or that this, thing stands out for me as a as a standout piece thanks man um yeah i mean the thing you're talking about and that was
4: so funny because that's the piece i don't know if you guys have seen the pixar story but that's the piece that leslie Iwerks happened to catch me on that was this that was the scene yeah and so they cover it sort of in the in that movie and i, I that was that was i was ty- that's, a, that's the whole thing is a story of fighting typecasting because i was young spry and spazzy so i would i was like i would always do the flaily stuff in fact for like pixar film after pixar film there was like there would be a kung fu moment in and they would be like sweetland give them a crazy kung fu moment right um and i was kind of trying to like any comedian after a while you're like give me the drama i have so much more to offer right of course yeah so and i had been taking acting classes and i kind of realized like what a powerful, you know, animating is acting basically and how powerful that can be if it's done well. And so, and I had like, I had asked for the last shots in Toy Story 2 where, you know, Woody and Buzz are, I think on the bed again and, you know, to infinity beyond. And I had those shots for like a day and then John was like, no, we want to give those to off the doll. And I was like, no! Uh, So I had to wait a whole other movie and I remember like just being, the goodest little boy I could be. So I was like, please, can I just have these dramatic, this dramatic shot? And I, and I had sort of a take on it, which was, um, oh, I don't know, okay, so I'll just tell you. So, so you know, the whole, mo- I, the whole movie is about this dad who refuses to really sort of meet his son at his own level, right? Um, he's always needing his son to sort of conform to him. Well, at the end, the son's conked out, and it i wanted to show in a moment of capitulation that the father understands the son and the father is going to meet the son on his level for the first time in this whole movie of the son fighting the father fighting the son and so i just wanted to do this very simple thing of when he they, it's a callback to this argument at the beginning of the movie, you know, see I heard dad I heard sea turtles lived 150. No, they don't This is Ridiculous and at the end, of course, he finds out they do he's like he, he lies over and he assumes the same He meets his son. He flips over and kind of lies down and says, you know I met a ski sea turtle and they lived to be 150 years old and So it's there in the text But I had like my whole career up to that point was me realizing like hey these are movies. Body language is everything. Body language is the subtext. If I really want to sell this, I have to show the dad demonstrating it. And I was like, and I do feel like it. I worked 10 years to make that one choice, <laughs> you know? Like I, I was as ready as I could ever be. Yeah. To to like to to uh, I don't know to uh, hope, uh, to do what I wanted with that with that shot. So anyway, yeah. thanks for bringing that up. Of
0: course. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Floyd? Is there something th- uh, from from all the things that you've worked on? Is there something that stands out?
3: one of the things I learned, uh, and, and this is especially uh, true working with Walt Disney, and boy, what an, an amazing opportunity to work with a master like Walt Disney—a mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's, a it's gifted unbelievable, storyteller, unbelievable. Yeah, truly a gifted storyteller. And character was so important to, to Walt. You not only had to like the character, you had to love the character. And this relationship between the audience and the character is so important. If you don't buy that, you're not even gonna buy the movie. One of the things we did on Jungle Book was to make this relationship between the boy, Mowgli, and Baloo the bear we worked really hard to make that relationship work and jungle book now that's all that's over 50 years ago you know i i did that film 50 years ago and people still walk up to me today and and say i saw the jungle book and that's my favorite disney film that makes you feel really good as a storyteller that you created something that lives on long after the film you know goes out of release it, it never goes away. Those moments are never forgotten. Those characters continue to live. And that's what we do as Disney storytellers, is create characters that live.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl, what about you? Um, is there something from, yeah. your, from your history of your career that when you look back at it, you're like, that's that's like I—I f- I finally got to really put my stamp on something. This is a—a a, a significant piece of who you are.
5: Well, f- what comes to my mind, because uh, Angelica, she's like this dumb little. i She's. What did I say? I. Oh my gosh. No, Angelica. She. She. Um. Yeah. When I—I th- I don't think Angelica's heartwarming. Is so. Is what I want to say. But something that really is a, a blessing and a special memory for for me is. Um, How it touched, Rugrats touched the lives of children so much around the world. I was involved with uh, a famous, it's a charity organization called Famous Phone Friends, where I I would call sick children in the hospital as Angelica. And a, a lot, a lot of them, most of them were dying of cancer. And I remember this one little girl, she was five and she was terminal and she was she she actually thought she was talking to Angelica and she and she'd say Angelica let's sing sing with me let's sing let's sing dancing queen from ABBA and so she's going dancing queen long and you know I don't know the words but I was just had to hold back my tears because here's this young little sweet little girl who is facing a terminal illness and she's trying to, to make me feel good. Maybe she felt that I was a little sad on the other line on talking to her, because it, it was very heart-wrenching to hear some of the, the way, some of the ch- kids on the other end, a lot of times they didn't feel good but they still wanted to talk to me. Um, I remember this one, I, I called the hospital room And the mother answered the phone, and and uh, I said, I'm going to talk to your son. And the mother said, You know, Jimmy, do you want to talk to Angelica? And and I could hear him get up from his bed, and he was going, he. You could hear the pain that he was in, but he wanted to talk to a cartoon character, Angelica. And and it was, uh, some of those moments talking to those kids will never leave me, and it just makes me realize how important cartoon characters are because you don't know what children are going through in their lives and and how it can affect them and change them and and wanna make them do better and and comfort them. It it was amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right,
0: follow that, Tom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, Tom, what was? I'll the, do my best. That's uh, a, what's a moment of something, yeah. you, you have such an extraordinary career? What, what's something that that you worked on that, when you look back on it, it just holds so much weight, or it's such a a, a big piece for you of your of your life? Well, Steve, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> um, actually, um,
6: um, I, uh, I animated the scenes uh, in Beauty and the Beast when the Beast is eating his breakfast in the morning. And he's first learning how to use a spoon. And, all, and it's a man who's never used a spoon in his life. So, so the, the opening shot is Bell is, they're having their porridge, you know, their oatmeal in the morning. And you look at the beast, and the beast is going, like that, with his face in the pan, like a, like a, like a, bull, like a bulldog. And... Um, and uh, I actually had to talk the director into it because he was like, "Do you think that's too much?" And I go, "No, it's funny. It's gonna work. It's good. It's gonna work. Don't worry, you know." And he comes up with the big cheeks and all, and you know, like, "What? What are you looking at?" You know. Oh. And um, a, a year later, I was on a different picture, and they were taking a group of. Um, um, elementary school uh, preschool kids around to show them the studio and it was like a little tour that they did at a Disney studio and the producer um, you know said this is mr. Cito and mr. Cito's an animator and you know he makes the characters come to life and uh, I said to the kids I said did everybody see has everybody seen Beauty and the Beast and all and they didn't talk They all went
3: <laughs> yeah.
6: and I said you remember when the Beast is eating his oatmeal in the morning and they didn't say anything. They all went. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I actually teared up.
6: I actually was oh, like, wow.
0: That is amazing. <laughs> they like it. Hey, Matt, let me ask you something. This mm-hmm. time of year, um, it's starting to get a little cold. It's, it's, it's heading into the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the winter months?
1: Uh, I'm not a fan. I'm cold. I, uh, I'm cold in July. Let really? alone
0: in October. You know, um, then then I've got something that you're going to absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Yo shirt, uh, the company that has brought you these like really really cool shirts and socks and all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you got that can, app.
1: You can upload your yeah, own you images upload and get stuff your printed. image
0: and get it printed right there. And you can do one offs. They're so cool. They make so much cool stuff. But they invested in this technology that has created Sherpa blankets that are just extra plush. They're absolutely gorgeous and they feel so nice to the touch you have one i got one for you yeah um of it's your really face soft. it's your
1: face it is my face i'm a blanket on my bed which is weird but it's very yeah. soft
0: you, you know what uh just as a quick side note at uh la comic-con we had a, a couple of these made one for each of us with our artwork mm-hmm. work of of our faces on it and i gave one to mike black mm-hmm. uh, who has been on our show he's our announcer on the yep. show And Mike Black was so tired at LA Comic-Con after working so hard for three straight days on this thing, we found him fast asleep in a chair with his blanket of his Mm -hmm. face wrapped around him. And I have never seen a cuter 40-year-old man (laughs) in my life. Uh, Go to Yo Shirt on your phone. Go to the Google Play Store. Get it there. Go to to it on uh, the iPhone. You can get it there or on an iPad. Uh, upload it just play with it android everywhere it's available everywhere and and just go and experiment and play with this thing but i'm telling you right now these sherpa blankets are absolutely incredible you should get one they're gorgeous they're gonna keep you warm matt they're gonna keep you warm what if they want
1: one of your face
0: if you want one of my face you can grab the artwork from my instagram and drop it right onto it and i'll tell you what you'll end up with uh get to sleep with with my big old giant hairy face. So if that's what you want out of your life, I mean, congratulations to you. (laughs) You know, you're making good choices. That's all I can say. Um, So go to YoShirt.com. Check it out, YoShirt, on all the app stores, YoShirt.com. Well, we're going to open uh, the floor up to questions, but here's what we're going to do. Mike Glazer, Emmy-nominated writer, our dear friend, Mike Glazer is here. Give him a round of applause. Check, check, check. Uh, Mike Glazer will be helping us to uh, moderate these check, questions. Check, check. So bring some great questions. He will uh, check, help you out. Check, uh, check. Let's. Uh, who's Good. got a Does question right? for right, our cool. wonderful panelists? Come on, don't be shy. I'll Get hold it. There. You can just line up here. I'm nice. Yeah, come on up, guys. Come on up. Who's got something? There we go. We got this guy here. This fellow here's heading yeah. out. There we go. There's a guy. They taped this down, which was a good idea until today. Yeah. Um, so please feel free. Can so I yeah, ask come one on right off here. the bat while he's making his way here, here? What do we got to do to reboot Rug, Rugrats? Yeah. Please.
5: <laughs> well, actually, I can't really talk about that. I don't know a whole. I have to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about it.
0: So that, I mean, that's a good sign. That's
4: a real good sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I've heard rumblings.
0: I've heard there's, rumblings.
4: There's, there's rumblings there's in the jungles.
5: There's definitely rumblings. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I love that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Bearded Wonder, go for it. Hey there. Uh, I'm just wondering about, uh, from people within the industry, uh, what your take on the future of 2D animation and feature films and like actually in the theaters is going to be, or do you feel like it's going to be all computer animated for the rest of film?
6: Well, I could I could just speak to, um, you know, when I began in the mid 70s, everybody thought animation was dying. Everybody was like, oh, there's nothing, you know. I mean, you know that, that business has gone away with the 1930s, you know, when people paid five cents for gas, you know, that's never coming back. And then it, you know, when I I began in the business in 1975, nobody knew that like 15 years in the future, Little Mermaid, you'd have these gigantic, high-quality 2D animated features. Um, uh, I think 2D is underground right now, but uh, I know like I teach at USC, and uh, I, and all my students want to do 2D. You know there's a there's a underground swelling of 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 n- demand. You know people want to do 2D stuff. So uh, you know I, never say never. You know, it's interesting.
0: Uh, you know, what, what's so cool about 2D animation, if I can just throw this in there, is uh, because 2D animation kind of went to television, and and then television became Netflix and became Hulu, and that's also where there's movies and there's stuff, and then there's full-length, you know, movies of the animated shows that are on this place. We're getting so much... Everyone's getting, b- like, back comfortable with seeing... with wanting... Wanting more of that, yes. and I think I think that's all going to be in. That's very encouraging in the hopes of uh, of getting more 2D animation,
3: you know, a- animation movies. Yeah, I,
0: I think I personally feel like we can yeah. get more.
3: Yeah, it's on its way back. I was at Walt Disney Animation Studios just last Friday, and I was so delighted to see uh, Eric Goldberg at his drawing board animating on paper with a pencil. So it's definitely coming back. Oh, that's amazing. That is I love that's it.
0: awesome. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I was going to say define theatrical, because I think if you're open to streaming, I think it's going to happen. Have you guys seen the trailer for Klaus? Yeah. Sergio's? Yeah. That's, oh, uh, that's yeah. a 2D animated feature. That's so beautiful. Coming out on Netflix this Christmas.
0: Hell yeah. That's amazing. All right, next yeah. question. Let's get name and where they're from. Yeah, what's your name? Hi, my, na- my name is Michael. I'm from Eagle Rock. What up, Mike? Oh, hey, what's up? Eagle Rock. Eagle what's Rock? <laughs> oh,
6: yes, Eagle Rock. Um... Is there
0: a recent animated film that uh, wowed you, anybody? Uh, a, a recent animated film that wowed you, Spider Verse. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. I pretty yeah. much didn't see any
4: other movie until it left the theater. I just went, I kept on going back to see Spider Verse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
6: Extremely cool. Yeah. I enjoyed. I enjoyed um, Princess Kaguya also. That was fun. The, the, the scene with the, where, where she's running out of the out of the palace, and it's all like uh, hand drawn, all like uh, very sketchy and everything. Very, uh, it's not like the traditional anime kind of looking thing, and everything. It was it had a lot of energy to it. Huh. It's like wow, it was really a nice scene. Is that out of Ghibli? Uh, um, i think it's the guys it's the it's the artist from ghibli that's okay. right. Like, okay. it's like after the third time miyazaki retired Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> these guys all you know you realize there's a whole staff going we got to get jobs you yeah. Know? Yeah. so, so they, <laughs> right. they formed their own little company right and everything and did this adventures of uh, a story of princess kaguya and it was, uh-huh. it was pretty good yeah. yeah
0: yeah love it love it uh next up what's your name
5: hi my name's Savannah. And Actually, just moved to Burbank. My question actually for Cheryl. Do you ever offer voiceover workshops or um, coaching? You know, no, I don't. But if you Google, you can find a whole lot of um, voice actresses that do do that.
0: I mean, I- you definitely should be a voice <laughs> actress, <laughs> yeah. just in yeah. case you're wondering. Yeah. That's yeah. what, a vo- just yeah. in case you guys are wondering, that's what a voice actress sounds like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <you> know. <laughs>
6: You
5: absolutely have the voice for it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You're
6: I, I, have to, I have to say this for a second, but the, my first film was uh, the animated Raggedy Ann and Andy, and and Dee I... uh, Dee Khan was the voice of Raggedy Ann. Oh yeah. And she had a very high voice like that, and and uh, we we were used to working with her and stuff. And she came by the studio, and 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 it went around all the all the young artists. We're like. She sounds like that all the time,
7: (laughs) wow.
0: Amazing, (laughs)
6: what's your name?
7: Hi there, Uh, my name's Chris, I'm local actually, I go to USC.
3: Whoa, (laughs) Um,
7: fight on. So the the one question I have is like, as a writer I'm sort of trying to break my way into the um, animation industry and I wanted to ask how closely writers normally work with animators and uh, if like when working on a script and, and the animators pitch stuff to the writers and the writers pitch stuff back because I've heard it's very collaborative. I just wanted to know your take or fun moments from your uh, careers in that.
3: I guess we all work a lot with screenwriters these days. You know, uh, Just last weekend, we were with uh, the screenwriter Rob Edwards who worked on Treasure Planet and... Uh and uh, forgot the the other films you went Princess and the Frog for Disney. So uh, yeah, there there is a relationship between artists and, and screenwriters. I think probably more so that, uh, today uh, at Pixar. Right, it's the yeah. same same thing.
4: Are you looking at getting into animation through writing or through an, or through animation
7: or storyboarding? Um, through writing right now. I okay. actually work on a game. So I'm okay, cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because it's a real nuance, different. I, a lot of writers don't. I mean, there's no such thing really as writing for animation. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. just because this goes back to this fallacy that, or a, a common myth, that animation is a is a genre, which it's not. It's just a medium. You could so uh, a lot of times, I know with Pixar, it's just like they try to find a good writer. So it'll be like Tom McCarthy will do a stint, and Michael Arndt famously worked there on Toy Story three, and or you know. Um, so it'll it'll just be on quality of writing, so yeah. Uh, which um, yeah. And but then you, I mean, I guess I would send scripts to animation studios if you're looking for that kind of collaboration. Josh uh, Josh Wheaton worked on Toy oh, Story. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna say like wow. at um, uh, on on um, Aladdin
6: and um, Shrek, we had um, uh, Ted um, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who also wrote Pirates of the Caribbean know, yeah. and, and um, it, yeah, generally like it, it's like on the feature end. Like television is kind of different because television you're working from script, and it's like a lot tighter, like The Simpsons and Family Guy, and all. That's like very very. Uh, Tightly scripted. Uh, on features, you you'll you'll have a, a treatment and a script, but then the writers will also work with the story artists, and it's a little collaborative. A lot of the directors come out of storyboarding as well, uh, although some like um, um, who's one the one who wrote Frozen is it Lee. Oh, Jennifer Lee. Jennifer Lee. Yeah, that's right. She right. was. She was a screenwriter first, right. you know, and and so there is that sort of back and forth kind of thing, collaboration be- between them all. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I worked on uh, Pocahontas, and one of the writers of Pocahontas, Susanna Grant, later wrote um, Aaron Brockovich and In Her Shoes. You know, so there's always that kind of back and forth thing. Amazing. Incredible. Good question. Next question.
0: How's it going? What's your
7: name? I'm Sadie. Um, I'm from New Hampshire. (laughs) Um, I was actually just wondering what your favorite classic Disney and classic Nicktoons are.
0: Wait, classic Disney and classic what?
7: Nicktoons.
0: Nicktoons? Nicktoons. Ooh, classic Disney. Are are you talking to
5: me? Everybody. (laughs) And could you repeat the question? I didn't kind of hear you too well.
0: What's your favorite (laughs) classic Disney movie and classic Nicktoons? Show, yeah. Yeah.
5: Oh, okay. Uh, Floyd, you go first.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hands down, my favorite Walt Disney feature film is *Pinocchio*, which I consider a Disney masterpiece. And I mean, they set the bar really high uh, with *Pinocchio*, and it is a fantastic, gorgeous. I still watch it today, and it was made back in the 1940s. So that is a masterful film, Uh, animation at its best.
0: Uh, What about what about you, Doug? Uh,
4: I'm a crazy Dumbo fan. I gotta say, Uh, I think that's every that's got everything in it, and it's a tight hour, and it's a musical, and nobody thinks about it as a musical, but it's an incredible musical. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, it's it's uh, it makes really. I mean, the main character gets drunk as a plot point, so (laughs) that's like, and then has a hallucinatory this whole amazing sequence, like it just has it's everything. Um and, and it's heartfelt. Uh and then I love I mean I love Ren and Stimpy. I just uh Yeah. I can't imagine it is too bad that they fired John. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I because it, it's just like insane brilliance and that show set the template for everything on TV for the next 20 years. Yeah. I feel like everything became ooh, you know, but thanks to Ren and Stimpy, basically. Yeah. Uh, and even great shows like, like Spongebob, essentially, are post-Ren and Stimpy. So yeah. I think that that's incredible, and I watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with my with my boy, uh, so I love that. Yeah. Loving Nick.
6: Nice. Yeah, I think, um, I have to agree about Pinocchio. Like, Pinocchio's like my my ultimate. I love that. And, and in terms of 2D. And then also, I, I really enjoyed um, uh, the, some of the Clampett uh, uh, cartoons from the 40s particularly the great uh, daffy duck is the great piggy bank robbery so so daffy duck is duck toacy oh yeah it's a very funny cartoon yeah. very crazy
0: uh mike black what about you do you have a, a favorite disney uh, film and a favorite my, nicktoon show
2: my favorite disney one would be 101 dalmatians
3: oh, and wow.
2: uh, it's because of uh the the two cats the two twin cats, mm. the evil twin cats. They yeah. had a dance number in the there. The Siamese twins. Oh, wait.
4: wait, wait, lady. Lady and the Tramp. Lady oh, and the Tramp. Oh my oh, that's god, Lady that's the Tramp. The tramp. It's tough.
2: It's
4: a lot of talking animals. They could have they been through. in there.
2: They could have been <laughs> hidden in the 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> Those cats are <laughs> the, that evil there's that a, they could have uh,
0: <laughs> secretly gone. There's got a, in a lot of piles of dogs. Could, you never know. They could be underneath. You never know but what's my, happening. Th-
2: the story that hit me the most, though, was Fox and the Hound. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I loved that story yeah. so much. And uh, But my favorite overall animation thing of all time is uh, Transformers the movie.
4: No. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, that no. It's
2: Orson Welles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was just really fun—a humongous planet coming to eat all the good guys and bad guys. Yeah, that's just fun. That is pretty fun. That's a good. That's a damn good time. Uh, I grew up in the '80s.
0: It was a weird, yeah. you know, I, I <laughs> weird get it. Period. I—I <laughs> um, I, I gotta say, uh, favorite uh, animated Disney movie. Uh, was the jungle book. It's I have the the sheet Whoa. music for it. I was <laughs> the first thing I learned every single song that was in it. Used to have to sing them at Thanksgiving for my family. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm a big, big fan of all those. And then the animated show that changed me and changed the trajectory of my life was Ren and Stippy oh. because I uh, realized I could do kind of a Wren impression and then I figured out I could do Stippy and then I did them on my answering machine message back, I, I just went back and forth and back and forth so that way when people would call like our home, you know, it would just be like, like, uh, like, oh, leave a message. You know, it was like something, it was bad but like that's, you know, it was like, it was like, you know, like I was calling people an idiot on the answering machine and my mom didn't appreciate it but, you know, but it definitely stuck with me. You know, those were yeah. those were ones that stuck
6: if you if you ever Put on Turner Classic movies, when they're playing uh, the Maltese Falcon, there's a scene where Joe Cairo, the Peter Laurie character, lunges at Sydney Green Street and goes, You fat bloated
0: idiot, I'll kill you. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: it's red. Yeah, that's, that's red.
2: Where it comes <laughs>
0: from. I love it. Great question. All right, who's got the right. next one? We and only got a little time left. And great reptile tattoo, by the way. Oh, Very Cheryl. Cool. What was yeah. your, what's your answer? Yeah, it's your my
5: turn, you dumb baby. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, jeez. (laughs)
5: Um, my favorite Disney movie there's kind of two one is um, Alice in Wonderland because I love the artwork it's very even the opening credits are so magnificent to me Um, and also a movie you probably don't really know but it's a Disney movie it's called The Three Caballeros
3: oh wow oh wow you guys know that movie Yeah. yeah
5: so that those two are my favorite and, oh, and for um, a Nicktoon, it would have to be Rugrats, because it pays my bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah!
0: You better believe it. All right, Mike Glazer, who else you got? What, what you got? Hi, what's your name?
1: Um, my name's Krista. I'm from the Victorville area, so like an hour or two away.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Uh, um, I mainly wanted to know what your guys' takes, like all of you, are on
7: live actions i wanted to know if you think that they can be as impactful and emotional
0: on live action
7: yeah
0: oh interesting okay
6: well the, a, a, a long time ago there was a, a, a an animated english animator named john hallis who said animation should pick up where live action leaves off hmm. and 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 there is a sort of applied surrealism to to animation that that uh, that audiences accept that uh, you know Lately, with digital and all, the, the borders have been stretching. I mean, there's more and more interesting stuff happening in live action. It's like, you know, one of the reasons why uh, there were so many musicals, you know, in the 1990s and all, was because people accept the the, the surreal tone of an animated film. The way, like, you know, you know like, uh, you know, if you... Like, right now, Spielberg is remaking West Side Story. And, and, and it's an idea, like, you know, would you accept... You know, you, you know, gang members today doing plies and dancing <laughs> in the streets and everything, on cars and whatever. But yeah. as an animated thing, we accept it. We go, okay, it's okay. You know, so it's it's um, it's uh, you know, the, the old thing that Ollie Johnston, one of the nine old men, used to teach us is that is that it's not about copying life. Animation is caricature of life, which is you push life a little. A little more real than real, you know, and that makes it that makes it more interesting.
0: You know, the other thing too that that you guys have done, all of you guys have done this, is uh, by making movies or shows where you, you, you that are animated. You kind of kind of lure people in with this sense of security that everything's going to be okay. It's a safe environment. You've got these sweet, wonderful characters. People fall in love with these characters, and then when you hurt them or you do something hard to them or they lose something because you love them and you've been drawn in by them it's it's uh it it impacts you and it's it's harder as opposed to live action where you're like i mean you have to really love the actor the you know the the performances have to be extraordinary for you to feel emotion about you know nothing
2: live action has come close to bambi's mom no.
0: no, nothing. No, <laughs> no, know, one's, like, no one's mom on film has ever been killed that has had a bigger impact <laughs> yeah. on people than Bambi's mom. Yeah, I would. I would argue that. Um, do want, should we take next question?
4: I, I'll we, just say that's a really yeah, go good question, and I'm going to think yeah, about that's it. That's a great question. Later, really like question. for the rest of the day, I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Probably because the lines are so blurred. And like, has anybody seen Undone on Amazon? I just finished that. Ooh. It's a totally rotoscoped uh, show and I go back and forth thinking like, is this more effective or less effective? Like, are they, are they, you know, I, oh, yeah, and I we're, for, I'll just say we're forced to confront this question of like, why do you do something animated and why do you do something live, like in live action? Like, yeah. um, and I don't know. So that's a good
0: question. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. How's it going? What's your name?
8: Uh, I'm Lucas. I'm from Chino Hills, California. Yeah. What's up, Chino? Yeah.
0: How? Huh? No. I said, "What's up, Chino Hills?" <laughs> yeah,
8: they have a great Applebee's out
2: there. <laughs>
8: <his friend> of- <laughs> so my question was basically like, if like, um, so as artists, and I realized like, for anything like a- actors, musicians, like, when, because Stanley even said like he sees himself in some of his characters. Like, if you were to make a series or even. I'm not even sure if, like, if you made a series where, like, how do you find the motivation to, like, make a character like uh, emotional or like relate to that character and, like, really put it out into uh, the actual animation as, like, a cartoon, like, like make the character like something that you can, like, feel yourself and and create the story of the character and make it, you know, like a beautiful. You thing? know what's crazy? Like, how do you do that?
4: Is you can't not do that. Especially because it's so labor-intensive. I think this is true of literally anything. I think anything that you do that you love to do, you're gonna come out through it. And I've had my mom identify my shots in a movie without me telling her which ones I've done.
3: Uh-huh.
4: And so, and and this is in this is where like we don't have in CG, you don't have the signature of your drawing to give you away to some at least to help people out. I just think that you can't. It's art. You can't repress who
3: you are. <laughs> It comes out, no matter what you do. That's a good point. Uh, Whatever you write, whatever you draw, you put your own personal stamp on it. You know, it's it's very personal. I mean, the work I do, I feel it. I feel it deep down inside. And I think uh, all artists feel this. You know, it's a very personal kind of work we do. And we do it because we love it. We do it because we have to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that
8: makes a lot of sense
0: uh uh-huh. you,
8: what, yeah. what character like could you say that like that you uh like created like what character that like you created that like that just like spoke to you that you related to and like what motivation in your personal life made that come out
0: hmm. oh like what character have they been a part of that hit them in the heart yeah. the most yeah yeah uh, like, um like, I
4: don't know. There's, there's, there's always... Sponge. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like it's the job of the actor to put themselves yeah. in the yeah. role, whatever role they're given. Yeah. And I think that hopefully the story is good and there's something universal about the story you're telling. And if that's true, which it usually is, then there's something in the role that speaks to you, even if it's not literal. So like, I think when I animated that scene in Nemo, I didn't have a son yet. Yeah. But I could understand the need to apologize to someone after I'd been wrong. Yeah. And I could plug into that, and that was emotional for me. So there's always, you know, there's either it's there's always going to be some analog to your own personal life. I mean, that's why we love movies, that's why we need stories. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good question. Good question, kiddo. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you and me are both uh, stand-up comedians, and I know we both uh, say a lot of things that are uh, very offensive on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Do you ever have trouble sleeping at night?
1: Uh, yeah, not because of things I say though. It's just because I have lousy pillows.
0: Oh, okay. So you don't have like a horrible feeling of guilt sometimes for the Never. awful things. Oh, that one—that's well, nice.
1: Never. I'm proud of the horrible things <laughs> that I say to people.
0: That's no, that's good. That's a good way to yeah. be. Sometimes I, uh, I I do have trouble sleeping, uh, or I did have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. until I got. This is a brand new pillow. What kind of pillow? I mean, this is next level stuff, Matt. This thing, this is a pillow uh, you've never seen a pillow like this because uh, until recently it did not exist. It's called the buttress pillow, mm-hmm. and uh, it is shaped like a butt, and it has little legs, and it's a it's uh, you got you're not going to believe this. You got to go check it out: thebuttresspillow.com. So it's
1: like your face rests on a
0: butt. Your face is is pressed into a butt crack while the legs support your, uh, mm-hmm. your neck and shoulders, basically. It's, it's. It sounds comfortable. It is very comfortable. Uh, it's ergonomic. Uh, am I saying that right? Er- yes. Ergonomic, uh, functional, all natural, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, check this out. This is this is from their website. Um, soft but supportive, with feeling with the feeling of a butt. All right, and the sweet spot is between the thighs and the cheeks, which will gently cradle your head and support your neck. Great for side sleepers, back sleepers, and stomach sleepers. It's squeezable, slappable face variable uh relieve stress you know from having a long horrible day you what what do you want to do at the end of a long day put your head in a butt that is a 100% <laughs> right well, you can dress it up you can dress it down you want to throw you, some pj's you convince on you me so where do i go get one of you these you go to the buttresspillow.com the buttresspillow.com that's t h e b u t t r e s s pillow.com Go to the buttresspillow.com, Matt, and uh, get your sleep on. You'll have much better dreams. All right, let's get back to the show.
7: What's up, What's your name? Uh, Max. I'm from Santa Barbara.
0: What's up, uh, Max? Yee. Santa I, uh, Barbara.
7: IV. Hi, Larissa. My specific question is: as an educator, it's very important for uh, you know to pass these things on and to pass your knowledge down. So, I uh, my question is: what piece of advice would you give, no matter what generation, if you're starting? now or if you're starting a little bit later in life, well, uh, what, would you, what would you give?
0: Tom, you, know, you, you to, like, are literally yeah. an educator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I Well, I was kind of, what's your What's yeah. your position? Oh, oh, I, I, um,
6: well, my official title is I'm Professor of Animation of the John C. Hench Division of Animation and Digital Arts at the Maryland and Jeffrey Katzenberg Center for Animation of the George Lucas Woo! School of Ooh! Cinematic Arts at the University of oh, Southern oh, California. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> yeah!
4: Come on! To get the job, you have to say the entire title. Yeah. That's right. And he was the only yeah. one who could do it. <laughs> I had to rehearse that. I, mean, I rehearsed that. His that
2: business card amazing. is actually a yeah. flip book.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I was fortunate in, in that um, Yeah, I had a chance to, to work under older artists who were also excellent teachers, like Benny Washam, who was a great Chuck Jones animator, was a great teacher, and uh, Richard Williams was a mentor of mine, who directed the animation Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Arthur Babbitt. uh, Art Babbitt was the guy who sat and and designed Goofy, you know, and he was the the, the Wicked Queen and Snow White and all, and did a lot of Geppetto, and and, um, they are all great teachers, and so there is a certain master and apprentice kind of thing relearning stuff but one, uh, one, one thing one of the old animators told me uh, uh, was he said he said when you become a, when you become an animation artist you become a devotee of the goddess and you get your robes and you get your head shaved and you get whatever and you're going to be now part of the priesthood then the goddess says what are you bringing me so meaning just learning it ain't enough you've got to bring something of yourself you got to bring something from within to, you know, to speak, you know, if you're a performing actor, you, you know, it's performance, so you gotta perform, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I always find that kind of fascinating. You know, you know Walt Disney was from a far, farm in the Midwest, and a lot of his films reflected that sort of Midwest attitude. You know, I'm, I'm an inner city kid, I used to ride subways and buses, and so whenever I get a chance, my stuff has a much more urban outlook, because that's where I'm from. So bringing something of your of yourself is part is is part of the is part of the interpretive performance. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's amazing. Yeah.
5: And if I would if I were to tell someone who wanted to get into voiceover work, I would I would first instruct them. I mean, voiceover is not just reading a piece of copy. You have to put your whole body into it, and your whole you need to be an actor first. And improv classes would be great to bring yourself out of yourself. And, and acting class, um, but um, and then once you take your acting classes, then you you can specialize and go into the voiceover classes because that's a whole other world into itself. I mean, when I was doing Rugrats in Paris, Susan Sarandon, who was was one of the stars that I was I was working with, she has never done an animated film before, but she's this world class actress. So Paramount flew me back to. To New York, where she was, and she was recording her lines, and I would have to feed her the lines so that she could do her performance. So, I mean, an actress as as accomplished as Susan Sarandon was inhib- was intimidated going into the a room and doing a vo- uh, an animated feature. So, you really have to know you know your stuff. It's, it's yeah.
3: Yeah, you have to be good to pull it off. And one of the things I learned working with actors at Walt Disney Studios it's amazing the number of movie stars who cannot act <laughs> you you put them in the studio and they have and they have to they have to perform you know it's just their voice and their ability as an actor and so many top stars are really lousy actors
0: <laughs> without their face yeah without their <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I always tell uh, people when they write me or they, they ask, like, how do you get into voiceover work if you're trying to get in, or you want to be the, the announcer for a thing, or you want to be the spokesperson, voiceover spokesperson for a car com- company, or what? You know, people are always trying to find ways in. Yeah. I always say, if you know anyone who owns a business, And that business needs a commercial. Volunteer to be the voice of the commercial for free because they're your friend. And then you can start building like you're real. And yeah. that's, like, one one way in. But there's, like, there's amazing uh, schools of animation where where people, like, schools are looking for voiceover people and they're doing scratch tracks themselves and, and just trying to throw your hat in the ring and say, like, I... And a lot of it is saying, I'm a voiceover actor and, and, and going, like, I want to do this. If anything ever comes up and you think I'm right, please let me know. And, like, just throwing it out there, it's not... It, you know, it's better for people to know than to, to not know, because people don't always assume that you can do the things that you want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Floyd, what about you?
3: In terms of uh, getting out there? You know,
0: just, just telling, uh, just get, giving people advice on their life lessons.
3: Life, oh, lesson. life, you mean wanting to do this job? Well, number one, first of all, you have to really want to do it, and that means making a total commitment. Uh, one of the things I noticed about the people who are successful in this business, they're the ones who really wanted to do this job and they, they were totally committed to it. Uh, there's gonna be challenges, there's going to be difficulties. Uh, a lot of talented people fall by the wayside because they simply give up. I, rem- I remember one screenwriter who said, I'm really not that good, but a lot of the talented screenwriters, people who were far better than me, they all quit. They all gave up. Uh, It was too much. But he plugged away at it and eventually got a job, and that job led to another job. And that goes across the board. Whether you are an animator, screenwriter, an actor, so much of this job is being able to hang in there, being able to stick with it, not giving up. And that would be my advice to you.
0: That's damn good advice, absolutely. Um, wonderful. That's great. We have time for one last question. Everyone together, let's all chant that together. One One
3: last last question!
0: question. All right, make it a good one. I wish you were wearing a different outfit.
7: (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible. (laughs) I'm poor. I can't afford anymore. It's (laughs) fine. You look great, buddy. Thank you. Grad student budget. Uh, Anyway, um, so my other question, hi again, uh, is do you think that Western animation studios could learn more from like Eastern anime and stuff like such the like? Because I recently saw Tr- Studio Trigger's Promare and it was beyond amazing. And I actually saw it, it was my Spider-Verse for this year because I saw it like three more times when it was in theaters and it's still showing. If you haven't seen it, check it out. What's, What's it called, sorry? It? Promare. Promare? Promare, like P-R-O-M-A-R-E, okay. Promare. It's, uh, but, Okay. Like the, just, the okay. yeah, it's like it's all hand it's hand drawn oh, oh, with Promere. like a, a some uh, CGI in okay. it. It's
4: oh, Very cool. Very cool. What is the title? Promare. Promare. That It sounds like what? P
7: o m a r e. A r. P r o m a r
0: e. Okay. Yeah. P r o m a r e. Okay. All right. So it's the Transformers Promere. movie, no,
7: is what fair. we're talking about. <laughs>
0: So you're asking it wishes
4: it was the Transformers movie. Yeah.
7: I'm I'm asking if uh, do you if you think animators over here could learn from Japanese animators and such. Well, definitely
2: not when it comes to titling. Uh,
7: (laughs) (laughs) We've got titling down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Toy Story. Yeah, 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 exactly. We've
2: got our title. Robots. We're on
0: top of that. (laughs) (laughs) What, What do you What do you guys think? What do you think? Well, you know I, I, it,
6: it's you know I think the influences are, are 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 always kind of happening there's a lot of um, artists uh, you know my generation and younger and stuff that Love anime and have always been watching anime just like there's a lot of Japanese directors and all that are interested in Western stuff You know, um, I I did a judging in in Nagoya, Japan for uh, film students with Mamoru Oshi, the ghost in the shell And And Oshi-san is funny because he gets up in front of all these students and goes, don't look at anime I'm tired of anime. I'm looking at European films, you know. <laughs> I mean, like we're always curious about influences outside the usual, you know. So I think, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, um, what was what was Curtin Gary's film, the uh, the adventure one with the um, oh um, uh, after Hunchback.
3: Oh, uh, Atlantis. 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 That
6: was, that was a sort of very anime. Influences. Right. Yeah. 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 That was. Heavy. Yeah, Mike
3: Mike Magnola uh, influenced yeah. the uh, production design. But Kirk and Gary were trying to do something different, you know, breaking away from the usual uh, Disney house look, and they came up with a new design sensibility. So we're always learning from other filmmakers and, and from other cultures as well.
0: I love it. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, just a, a last little note before we take off. Um, I think uh, it's it's so awesome that you guys all came and showed up to this. Our our uh, our podcast is called the Nighttime Show. So please go and to and subscribe to the show. Uh, we've recorded uh, uh, panels and uh, interviews with uh, people from all over this business that I know that you guys uh, will love and appreciate from Star Wars and Star Trek and and. From uh, He-Man, from Labyrinth—I mean, across the board, some really wonderful and phenomenal people. Um, also, if you are—if you'd like to meet uh, Cheryl Chase, she will be signing. Uh, a limited number. We got uh, 200 collector cards made of Angelica for uh, LA Comic-Con. There's only 200. We'll never do any more. And she'll be signing those in our booth at uh, booth 237 for the next two hours. 10. What did I just say? 10. 1037, 1037, 1037. So come on over to booth 1037. It's the nighttime show booth, 1037. Cheryl will be there. We got 200 collector cards that are gorgeous. Mike Glazer, thank you for being here. Matt Walker this was great, in the back. Everybody. Sarah Salthouse, Cora, Havoc, everyone, Brianne, everyone that worked on the show. We love you guys all so much. Mike Black, thank you to Tom Sito, Cheryl Chase. Floyd Norman, and of course, my buddy, Doug Sweetland. Come on, guys. Thank you so much. Love you, LA Comic-Con.
3: <laughs> Good night, everybody.
0: Wow, that was really uh, enlightening. And I'm so happy that we got, we got to do that. That was so yeah. cool.
1: And it's interesting to hear that Dumbo was so influential. Yeah. Like that being a movie, like Dumbo and Pinocchio, I think were the two that kept coming up.
0: I don't uh, think of those as being that influential to me. Yeah. But they they really laid the groundwork. Really? Dumbo's for not time. that influential to you? Oh, wow. Really? Is it because as an <laughs> elephant or because he has a, a long nose? Because both are offensive, Matt. <laughs> it's because you, you have crows s- that hang out on your balcony. Oh, is that why? why? Is that why? Um, cause, is it because I'm fat and I can fly is that why um, <laughs> I'm just
1: saying I thought it would be influential to you uh,
0: yeah it is a, it, it was cool it was, a really, it was a really cool thing getting to talk with these guys and what's really neat is like like Floyd Norman is a guy I've gotten to sit in the same room as and tell some stories and hear some stories from but Tom Cito is one of those folks like I've wanted to really sit down and get to know and talk and uh, he Immediately contacted Asifa after our panel mm-hmm. and said, what a great time he had with us. So it means a lot. Thanks a lot for listening. do he's forget- my favorite. Oh, he was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. if, he, if he did that, then he's my favorite now. You bet. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast and share, share, share. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And listen to more episodes. Oh.